Welcome to Food and Loathing, the cocoa bomb of the Las Vegas podcasting world. <laughs> and by that, I kind of mean if you get us warmed up, we'll melt for you. Oh, reveal I love some, this. <laughs> we will reveal some delicious little treats. I'm your host, Al Mancini, returning from a bit of a hiatus. Also returning to the co-host position this week, she was here when I was not, is OffTheStrip.com, Samantha Gemini Stevens. Hello, hello. And as always, Rich Johnson is manning the microphones and fiddling with the faders. Hey, Rich. Hello, hello, hello. How is everybody doing? Better than you. Better than me. You just said I look good. You look amazing. (laughs) Amazingly lifelike. Yeah, right? It's amazing what they can do with um, animation these days. Madam Tussauds, you're still a genius. Right? Last week we had you digitally. Now we have this like hologram thing going on. It's kind of cool. Sort of like that Tupac tour. Go. I'm just going to be around forever no matter what happens. I love it. Um, you know, we always begin this week by discussing where we've been eating, what we've been doing. Uh, since I ate a lot of jello and clear broth over the past <laughs> week, I do suppose I owe everybody a quick explanation of why I was out of commission. But look, I'll, I'll do that a bit later in the show. I really don't want to start the show talking about my health. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. So <laughs> let's right. save my contributions for a little later in the show and kick things off with you guys. Rich, would you care to start, my friend? I, I went to a couple places, as it turned out. I did take out from a place uh, I would usually not take out from because the stuff doesn't travel all that well, but I just didn't feel like sitting down. I hear you. Ooh La La is a very nice, but not exactly life-altering French bistro in the strip mall complex on the southeast corner of Rampart and Lake Mead. Uh, The fish for Joanna was very good, she said. My steak fritz were nice, but I learned an important lesson. (laughs) When you order steak to go, Step down one. Yeah. You like it medium rare, order it rare, because it still cooks. Yeah, it's going to be packaged resting. up and resting. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, more than just resting, because you got it all. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that yeah. physics thing. Yeah. Yeah, Ooh La La has um, a really serious following among local foodies. I was pleasantly surprised how well it performed in our first Neon Feast survey. Yeah. Um, I know Heidi, it's on the it's on there under French uh, Casual. Mm-hmm. I know Heidi Rennell is a big fan, and if I'm remembering correctly, they do a lot of cool events celebrating French holidays and cultural traditions like Bastille Day party, yeah. uh, the release of the new yeah. Beaujolais Nouveaux every year. I yep. think they're big on that. So, um, yeah, good to, he- good to hear that name again because yeah. it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's tasty. It's, I mean, it's nothing to write home about. No, I'm not trying to be, you know. Be- no, it's there. Yeah, it's-, it's the closest thing I have found to the uh, steak fritz uh, entrecote thing that I discovered in Paris and London. It's a restaurant called uh, Relais de Venice. Uh-huh. Have I talked about this before? I don't believe so. Some guy bought this Italian restaurant in the 50s in Paris, and he didn't know how to cook. He yeah. just wanted to run a restaurant. So he said, I'm going to do one thing. Yeah. And he's, since the 50s, done one, one thing. thing. The whole family, it's very sliced, yeah. thin filet with beautiful frites on a small plate with this proprietary secret sauce that involves <laughs> a lot of butter and herbs and Absolutely. pureed chicken liver and all that. And everybody's tried to replicate it and nobody gets it yeah. quite like he does. Now there are like three in London, four in Paris. There's one in Dubai. There's oh my gosh. Three in New York now. But nobody does that. And you get a salad, you get the steak, yeah. you get the frites on a small plate and you think, well, that's not very much. Yeah. And then they bring you seconds. <laughs> Ooh, so you get that. warm, more warm steak, more warm fritz than it. a whole crap load that, that ended up uh, being uh, 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 cold. So you pay extra for a dessert, you pay extra for wine, and it was, you know, 15 years ago it was 25, 30 bucks. That's now it's a little more than that, yeah. but it's it's the one thing. Nobody's done that in Vegas. Ooh la la has a steak fritz. They yeah. don't have a sauce on it, but it's uh, 
pretty darn yeah. good. And What's if, your favorite place in town for steak free? Uh, you know, I got to give credit to Vincent Pucel over at Monomiga B that, because that was, yeah. it's, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah. super it's standard. Good. I know that Monomiga B itself is a chain, but Vincent does a fantastic job in that kitchen. And yeah. And they do, I believe, a lot of varieties. They like, do. I think you get it with different sauces. Yeah. Like that. Their peppercorn sauces. Yeah. Their peppercorn yeah. sauce crushes it and i do like their frites they, mm-hmm. they're sort of almost like a a twirl they're thin yeah they they're crispy twirl, yeah they, i'm yeah i'm not a big fan of that i would like a a, a bigger frite you know, with maybe a little bit of sog that's just me but 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 just a little more potato on the potato but see these because <laughs> of the way they're almost twisted uh, and they yeah. do have a they, they've got a good mouthfeel to them yeah they're not like really really um tiny shoestrings or something yeah. like that's that, what i you get know? though I, every time i've been in including uh, the one here and the one uh, back in uh, bethesda maryland yeah it's just that much bigger than shoestring and they seem to all be crispy to me maybe i'm just every time i've, I've been on an overcooked day <laughs> but, uh, that's all right I, I still go back what else uh, are you eating rich home cooking uh, another basic beef stew you got the chuck roast your carrots your celery your onions your garlic your bay leaf salt and pepper combination of beef stock from the can and some homemade chicken stock and uh, the instant pot makes it all wonderful in about uh, 90 minutes and thanks to scott robin of vital vegas i tried a new italian place called the gondola it's over at the Buffalo and Alta. Um, weird little strip mall. Very pretty. Brand new stuff inside. The owner is Anthony Rivera, who was the executive chef at Il Milano for uh, nearly 20 years. Il Milano in Il Milano. Palace. There you yeah. go. Milano. Yep. Milano. And then Milino. in the forum shops, right? Yeah. You know, I've, I've heard about this restaurant. I had not heard any backstory about not really. I mean, I heard it until now. Yeah. It hasn't been open long at all. I literally getting takeout was the only customer in the half hour I was yeah. waiting for. Well, that's, stuff. A, that's a nice little tip from Scott. And I got to say, I rarely ate at Emilino in the forum shops, which I believe closed during the pandemic. It sounds about so. right. I know that, yeah, they were filing bankruptcy on a lot of locations. Um, when I did eat there, the food was great, but the prices were sky high and there wasn't enough to draw me in at that price mm-hmm. range. Yeah. So look, if this chef is doing something in the burbs that's affordable, I want to know more. Yeah. 30 bucks for a chicken parm with a nice side of pasta and a really beautiful uh, sauce on that. But there's a little marinara on that. Check it pasta out. was great. All right. Yeah. Little Gemini, what about you? Oh, it's been busy. <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, after good. We, yeah, after we recorded last week, um, I went out to Libertine Social for a cocktail class with uh, Tony Abuganum, who is, I mean, a storyteller among storytellers. And uh, it was really kind of cool. You sat at a table. It was um, sort of communal tables. Uh, We got to make a cocktail. And then there was this group effort to whip egg whites for an eggnog that he was making. They brought us snacks. And while we weren't there for the food, I mean... Libertine Social's food is always really good. I've probably eaten there three times in the last three months. It's it's good. Um, so yeah, we had a blast that. And then right after that, we went to Miracle on Spring Mountain for Justin Hall's pop-up for the pizza charity stuff cool. they do. That guy's cooked more in town since retiring. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to save a bit for the news because we thought that was going to be the last hurrah. But it turns out <laughs> but it's no. not. But no, uh, he there's has, more. He has officially moved away. But, but wait, wait, there's, there's more. more. <laughs> uh, yeah, he did a lengua pizza that was just delicious. For those who don't know, lengua is tongue um really really great um so yeah super excited to to see him come back for maybe the last hurrah who knows um over the weekend we hosted our supper club we had our holiday get together so uh it's called cooking with gemini funny uh was, i didn't even name it leanne did um hey, and uh hi leanne uh, i'm gonna mention her here in a minute too <laughs> um a friend of ours went hunting and got a mule deer this year 
And so we smoked a leg. I, As opposed to a white-tailed deer. It's just okay. a slightly different species. But yeah. it's a big-ass deer. Yeah, so yeah. he brought a big-ass leg, and we cleaned it up, put it on the smoker, and oh, man, it was I so good. I saw the photos of that. I think I was sitting in the hospital bed eating fucking jello, looking at them. Oh, yeah, the one that Kim took. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so we just, everybody brought sides. So we had like baked breeze and stuffed mushrooms and all kinds of other appetizers. Um, speaking of Leanne, she made this really amazing pork riette. Uh, and then I was super happy to find out she gifted it to me at the end of the night. So Ooh. I still have a little bit, which makes me happy. Um, John got super creative and made a drink called a fuzzy duck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's this RNG boozy eggnog sort of drink that I'd never heard of. I had to look it up. Duck fat? Um, no, but oh, that would have been great because, you know, they do oh. fat washed cocktails yeah, fat all over washed, the place yeah. now. Yeah, that yeah. would have been really cool. Um, yeah. So I mentioned uh, Leanne's Riette. That was really good. Um, and then yesterday, or excuse me, Tuesday, we went to Vegas Test Kitchen. Um, there was uh, Chef Joyce was there. She is on Instagram. called She's called Pita Chick Bites. And she did her first ever pop-up for any sort of public thing, and she nailed it. She did this, like, Mediterranean-tasting thing with uh, two types of hummus, a fatouche salad that was beautifully fresh mixed. She spiced the pita with, like, some sumac or something. She did these orange roughy, um, like, tostadas on pita um, with the garlic and tahini sauce to die for. So check her out on Instagram. Hopefully we'll get to see more from her because it was really, really beautiful. You said pita chick, and I was worried it was somebody that was going to yell at me for wearing leather. <laughs> but no, pita, oh. like the pita bread. P-I-T-A. P-I-T-A, yeah. yeah. So pita chick bites, P-I-T-A. Some, some backstories <laughs> really need to stay in the back, okay? <laughs> Uh, no, not that. No, those people like it when I wear leather. I'm talking about the animal rights activists. Oh, oh no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, my turn. So look, as many of you know, I spent a lot of last week in the hospital. For those who have asked, I will give the basic rundown. Uh, the stomach issues plaguing me recently turned out to be my gallbladder, which I was eventually advised by my doctor to address in the emergency room. Um, here's the basic. St. Rose San Martin is fabulous. Great people, great care. My gallbladder is not easy to treat due to some pre-existing conditions, so it wasn't a case of wham-bam, thank you, surgeon. Um, I, I had some scary moments, some doctors disagreeing over the risk of surgery, some tough decisions, a very painful alternative procedure, oh. a few days whacked out on Dilaudid, um, more great care in the hospital, and I was discharged with the pesky gallbladder intact in the care of some specialists who are plotting my next move. That sounds nefarious. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, look, I'm, I really normally wouldn't be up for sharing much more than that, but since so many guests have been brave and honest about the health issues yeah. common in the restaurant industry, including substance abuse, I feel it's only fair I offer one more bit of info. Uh, that pre-existing condition that caused all of this fucking drama and a lot of the fear on my part is liver disease brought on by my years of hard boozing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I often talk about how I dodged a bullet by quitting the bottle before I died, which is more than some of my friends were mm. willing or able to do. Um, so I feel very lucky about that. But look, the deal is when you spend a long time dodging bullets, it is easy easy to overlook the fact that you are wandering into a minefield. Uh, that's where I am now, trying to dodge those mines, trying to avoid them. I speak a lot about how much I enjoyed my days of substance abuse, so I feel it's only fair in the interest of honesty to, um, you know, tell you that it does come back to bite you in the ass years later. Yeah. I am not here to preach to people about how you should live your life. If you're in the midst of dangerous behavior, most people ain't worried about the short-term risks, let alone the long-term ones, so I don't think this is going to make much of a difference on anybody's life. But, you know, do what works for you, but never let me be accused of covering up the long-term issues that my decisions have created for me. If you are out there considering getting sober, keep in mind that acting sooner rather than later 
may save you some hassles later in life and some of the bullshit oh. that I'm dealing with. Thank you. So, you know, I mean, that said, I just feel it's only fair to be fucking honest. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you. Um, so that's it. Anyway, I am back. I'm under the care of some experts. Um, I'm excited to be back to work. First restaurant I visited this week was Yukon Pizza. Yes. And damn, the place looks <laughs> great. The food was just as good as I've come to expect during their two years at the Vegas Test Kitchen. Uh, I have a big interview coming up momentarily with Alex White. I'm in the so next glad. segment. Uh, we really dig into the backstory of the business. But Gemini, you also have a story out on Yukon right now. I do, yeah. At offthestrip.com. So before we break for the segments, any thoughts that you want to share about Yukon? Um, you know, I, I've listened to the interview. I think you you nailed pretty much everything, but I just think people really need to know that backstory. I love that you dug into a little bit. Um, you know, the, the quick version that I touch on in the story is that it's a 125-year-old sourdough that his great-great-grandfather oh. um, basically created uh in, a gold prospect yeah he was he shit, was a miner and 49er a merchant, yep Whoa. and uh, he was up in the yukon gold fields that's where the name comes from <clears throat> oh, okay and uh the starter has been passed down to the sons to the sons to the sons and eventually ended up in alex's hands and it's just oh that crust is unique it's yeah. delicious bubbly and charred not burnt they are very careful to tell you that mm-hmm. um 800 degree oven in that place is amazing um, the space looks great oh, smaller than i was expecting yeah but intimate cool yeah cool vibe you walk in, you feel like they've been there forever, that you feel like you've known them forever. Um, just really wonderful people in a really great area. And where is it located? Huntridge, off, uh, right off of Maryland. Right, You can see the theater from their uh, front door, and right next to it is going to be Winnie and Ethel's when they open. Yeah. So it's tucked around a little bit of the back. If you're going yep. down to Charleston, you got to tuck around the back. Yep. <laughs> Uh, So coming up, we do have some holiday cocktail options on menus, well, everywhere. And that aforementioned interview with Alex White and the new brick-and-mortar Yukon Pizza is coming up. This is Food and Loathing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Wow, I cannot believe I'm finally here in the Yukon Pizza brick and mortar at the Hunt Ridge Theater. I should say across the street from the Hunt Ridge Theater. We'll get into that location-wise in a minute. But I'm sitting here with Alex White. Alex, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um, I guess I want to get into this story really deep. But first of all, first thing I have to ask is, how does it feel to finally have this restaurant open? Uh, it's a little bit feeling of uh, unbelievable, honestly. It's It's been a long journey to get here. But the fact that we open the doors, we have such a great reception, such support from the community right out the gate has been just uh, overwhelming. And we're super grateful. What was opening day like? I wasn't able to make it in. 
Opening day was from the moment we opened the doors till about 8 or 9 p.m. that night. It was the, the dining room was packed. We had a line out the door. The register was going, selling a lot of pizzas. We had a charity drive going for a toy donation. So anybody who brought in a toy got to get a free slice of pizza, essentially. So slices were flying. Drinks were going. Wine was being poured. It was a great time. So this is Yukon Pizza. I mentioned that you are located. I want to get all the basics out of the way first, and then we'll dive deep. I mentioned that you're across the street from the Hunt Ridge Theater, kind of in the Hunt Ridge Shopping Center. You're sort of tucked away a little around the back. There's not that Charleston Boulevard curb appeal. I don't necessarily see the sign there. Uh, obviously, people are finding you, but how do you describe this location if somebody wants to find Yukon Pizza? We're in the Hundreds Shopping Center. It's a pretty historic part of downtown Las Vegas. This is the Hundreds neighborhood, the John S. Park neighborhood. Um, this has been here since the early days of the, the you know casinos and, and landmarks of Las Vegas in the 40s. So a lot of houses that are built in the 40s and 50s and 60s around here that were you know owned and lived in by a lot of the, the original casino goers and, and gamblers and players and, and all the things. So we're, we're in an awesome part of town where it's, it's very historic, very unique, and we've got the theater across the street. Okay, so let's, um, I, I was just saying to you, man, I've been reporting on UConn a little over two years, I guess, since you were getting ready to open at the Vegas Test Kitchen. I know your story goes back further than that. There are other journalists in this town who were a hip to it a little sooner than I was, but, you know, I'm old and out of touch sometimes. Um, but UConn Pizza is really, as Gemini said in her story at offthestrip.com, which is tr a tremendous piece. Everybody should read it. Um, but Yukon Pizza is really a family affair, and it goes back several generations. Um, it starts with your family's, I guess, love, love affair with sourdough bread and sourdough culture. Could you talk a bit about how the sourdough starter that is being used here at Yukon Pizza Tell me a bit about the history of that starter, because I know that there are real food nerds out there like myself who this is just a really sexy story if you're a food nerd. Yeah, it's really incredible. And it's something that we kind of learned to really hold on to as an heirloom story and an heirloom sourdough as part of our family. So the the story that we kind of have and been told for is that passing down the generations is that in the late 1800s at the turn of the 19th, 20th century in the during the Klondike Gold Rush, um, my great 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 grandfather ran a general store, mercantile kind of thing, and he sold wares to mining camps during the the gold rush. You know, so that included equipment and clothes, and also food stores. And so part of that was sourdough cultures. That's how you made bread and kept food going. So you'd always have to worry about carrying yeast around. Um, so. This, you know, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, the sourdough traveled with my great great grandfather, and my great great grandfather. Uh, three to four generations. There's a lot of greats in there. Um, but, you know, they traveled from the Yukon Territory to Anchorage, Alaska, down to Seattle, and down to Southern California, where my parents actually lived in a really small town called Trona, California. Um, so that's the, that's the very early history of the sourdough. Um, from my memory and my brother's memory and my sister's memory, for us growing up, it was my dad making sourdough pancakes every Sunday morning. Um, sourdough pancake Sunday was the where we kicked off the day before we had to go to church and do the whole thing. Um, and then on the weekends or during the weekdays, my mom would make sourdough biscuits for, for dinner and make bread. Um, so growing up, it was very much a normal part of our day-to-day -day life, day-to-day -day routine. Uh, and it wasn't until I got a little bit older when I go to friends' houses and they'd make pancakes and they'd make bread and didn't wasn't the same thing. It didn't taste right. It looked like a weird, giant, thick stack of not the pancakes we were used to eating. And... Um, 
kind of come to learn that the sourdough is very special and uh, it's kind of a cool, unique thing. And so when I left for college, I went down to Las Vegas here for, for film production. My dad handed me a mason jar and you know, it had this culture in it, which is just a mixture of flour and water and the sourdough yeast I've been growing and living with it for over 100 years now. Um, it was something he handed off and said, you know, you feed this, take care of it, do with it what you want. But we've always had it in our family. He remember, you know, eating it as a kid with his dad and his grandpa. Um, so it's very much a memory childhood thing for us as far as carrying the tradition and keeping it alive with feeding and, and making food for our friends and family. Um, so in college, I went to school for film production. I became a cameraman and started doing commercials and TV shows and things like that. Uh, and that afforded me time and money on the side to start a passion project, which was I really liked making pizzas in my apartment. It was a great way to host parties to meet friends, you know, drink beers and like and know people and get to, to have a big party in your place. So I would start to hold little pizza parties in my place, not really focusing so much on the pizza, but more just trying to hang out with people and drink beer. So mm-hmm. it grew, it grew from there. Um, as the years kind of went on, I started doing more and more like elaborate research and learning about making pizza at home that can be feel like it's come out of a restaurant. Um, and at that time, there was a restaurant in town that just opened up Sete Bello out in Henderson. Um, they were the VPN certified Italians, you know, Neapolitan style pizzeria. And I went and tried it and that was like a very much a light bulb moment for me of like, there's a whole elevated pizza game that's coming out there. You know, Tony Gemignani with Pizza Rock has been pushing for all kinds of new contemporary styles of pizza and has really brought forward the modern generation of pizza makers and pizza lovers. Um, but in mid 2000, 2010, uh, there were no really real sourdough on or sourdough resources online for like making pizza with sourdough or doing it yourself at home. It was a lot of kind of if you're at a restaurant, you can do it this way. Or if you have this certain kind of oven, you can do it this way. But for a guy with like, you know, an apartment and not much else, like there wasn't a whole lot of resources. So I did, started to do a lot of knucklehead dough making and learning kind of on my own how to you know make bread and make dough and get a handle on how to use sourdough. Um, you know, these days it's really easy to find amazing resources and books and videos and vlogs. And- you know, I think people forget, like, um, everything's available in the palm of your hands right now, information-wise. Maybe a bit too much because it's not always right, but um, everything's available. But, you know, as, as recently as 10, 15 years ago, man, you, to, to research how to do something like this was a, a pretty big undertaking. It was actually, you had to get, like, go to the library. You had to check out, you had to check out books. You had to, like, read what people had put out for, you know, the last hundred years and amazing chefs and bakers out there that have been doing this for a long time. They already have the knowledge. It's just finding it online back then wasn't very, wasn't a thing. Um, so once I got a feel for how to make my dough and I started hacking my oven and, and making ovens that I could use to make high temperature, you know, uh, pizzas, um, I really kind of fell down this rabbit hole of now I'm, now I'm in the pizza world and I'm really loving what pizza making does for me both like in my soul as well as what it does feeding my friends and family about when is this that we're talking about sorry um this this is probably like 2015 or so um it's been a few years of doing these parties kind of thing i started doing pizza parties out in the middle of the desert i'd go way south into town or way east side of town drive out down a dirt road and drop a gps pin and send it to all my friends on a list and be like i'm making pizzas be here in an hour do or don't, I don't care. And so I started, they're called into the world parties because it's out in the middle of nowhere. It felt like you're at the end of Las Vegas, way out, and you see the lights, the sunsets. We'd have great parties, drink wine, and make pizzas out in the desert. It was really fun. And then I had friends and then people of friends of friends who I didn't know 
putting in requests to do catering and they, hey, could you do a wedding? Could you do this, do that? And this was still kind of all a passion project on the side. I wasn't really making money from it. It wasn't really a formalized business. Um, and you're still doing this on your own. You hadn't brought in a, a trained chef at this point, right? No, it's just just me trucking around my little wood fire oven and making dome and doing the whole process myself. I had an SUV that I would load up full of tables and stuff, and it it was a one man band up until uh, just very recently. So 2017, I formalized the company, kind of created Yukon Pizza on the books with the you know filing my business license, and just, I wanted to get a few things in order if I was going to start taking on these more structured jobs that involved payment and clients and things like that. Um, so I started doing that and it was growing and I had a couple of cool like wedding clients and some private party customers that I would do parties for every couple of times a year. Uh, but then my brother started noticing, you know, he's like, Hey, I love what you're doing down there. He was lived in Reno at the time. And we kind of spitballed back and forth, you know, at some point, someday it'd be nice to maybe lean into doing a restaurant. We really like what we're doing with the pizza. I think that's something special. Uh, and you're like, okay, well, you know, maybe, 15, 20 years down the line, once we kind of wrap up our film careers and want to retire and do something else, we'll, we'll try that. Um, that was, you know, 2019 that we were doing that talking. So as, as everyone can surmise, the, the great change in the world happened that spring of 2020. Um, and we really were like, lost all our jobs, lost all the business that we had been doing with film work and everyone was sitting at home. Uh, we were all in quarantine and my wife and I, it just, uh, just been dating for a few years at that time um and we were like all right let's make pizzas that's that's all we know how to do we have stuff here at the house we got the fires in the back um let's start making pizzas and then just telling our friends to come by and we'll drop in the back of their car you know everyone was wearing masks and gloves and load the pizza into the back of the car and wave goodbye thanks and you know we're doing a couple of those you know on a week to, a weekend and then you know three or four weeks into it we started getting instagram requests from just strangers who had heard about the pizza thing and so suddenly we turned into this whole all order on instagram pick up your pizza at a certain time it became this whole process that people really really glommed onto because it was it was a thing they could do during their week of quarantine we had customers coming from anthem and north las vegas who said this is the only time they left the house during the whole week was to do a pizza run it was the one thing they got to break the monotony of being in quarantine um, so they really gl glued on to the experience we were creating with backyard pizza hustlers trying to do something that we know how to do, do the best we can do and feed our friends when, you know, it was, you couldn't go out. Um, and that's when in the fall of 20 or I guess spring or summer of 2020, Jolene Menina uh, discovered me <laughs> via Justin Hall and some other chefs. They had kind of, they lived in the neighborhood. They come by for some pizzas and then they told Jolene, it's like, all right. This is, uh, this is someone to go talk to. And so she called me and, and my brother to, to have a conversation about a new concept she had, which was Vegas Test Kitchen. And for those who, you know, most people, I think, that listen to my podcast, they know Vegas Test Kitchen. But for those who don't, I mean, that when Jolene Menina, who had been a, a, one of the biggest food promoters in this town for years and all the way back to the back of the house, brawl food truck events. And, you know, she's just one of the hustlers that's always been a champion of local chefs, whether they be the huge chefs on the strip at Robichon coming out to cook in food trucks in a tiny little parking lot to giving unknown up and coming first timers a chance. She's just always been that kind of a supporter. But even with her tremendous history of promoting food in Las Vegas, 
the Vegas Test Kitchen opening um, right next door to Ferguson's downtown on Fremont Street on the east side of Fremont East, the area that was still considered a little sketchy by a lot of people. A lot of people didn't even like walking as far as Atomic in those days. And this is further down than Atomic. And I know we're just talking two years, but things change a lot in two years. So it was considered a sketchy neighborhood. It was considered a risk that she was going to sort of open a food hall like we see all the casinos were doing big, giant, fancy food halls with the best and the brightest from around the world. And here comes Jolene, and she's going to come in and do a food hall in this slightly sketchy, up-and-coming neighborhood with a lot of people that only the top foodies in this town had ever heard of, and that even the top foodies in this town had probably never heard of all of them, right? Like, some of us knew some of them, and others, you were all new. And I think she brought six people in there to do this really strange hours, not open all the time. You never know who's going to be there. Uh, you order off an app um, coming out of COVID. Uh, it, it was a very risky proposition. Now, she just celebrated two years and has proven to be a tremendous success with it. And it seems like a no-brainer now. But it was scary as fuck, I would assume, for anybody going into it then. What were your thoughts on just sort of the way that I described it? Am I, First of all, am I over-exaggerating anything? And what, what were your thoughts about, okay, you know, I could go back to having a film career or, um, okay, I could try this. I could, I could roll the dice. It was, I mean, you're not wrong. It was a lot of those things. It was a risk. The bunkhouse had been closed across the street due to pandemic and had never re reopened. So that lost an anchor on the Fremont East of a venue for people to go to. So you're right. People wouldn't come past Atomic Tavern. Like, they were just going to stick there and not really cross the street and come down. But as you said, Jolene's a powerhouse. Uh, she's a mover and a shaker. And when she does something, people come to check it out. And what it presented, I mean, she offered us essentially was an opportunity, you know, she really built it and built it as a, uh, a space for us to incubate, get our feet under us, learn how to do our operations and scale up to being, you know, restaurant level kind of pizzeria. Um, she didn't really have a timeline for how long, you know, we could be in there. She just said it's open ended, however long you need. But we, we went at it with we went at it with purpose, actually. You know, it wasn't so much, you know, being scared of what could go wrong or go or right. It was more like we were getting this opportunity to really capitalize on our on building our business um, in a way that we could not do otherwise. Because she provided us a space that we could legally sell food, pay our taxes, be on the level with everything, and still build customer base without having to essentially rent out a, a whole new turnkey pizzeria space and do it on our own. Having the support of other chefs other people who work there and Angeline means you're bringing in this wide variety of people who, who maybe have heard of Christina or maybe heard of Josh or maybe heard of anybody else who came through, then they get to discover us or vice versa. It was definitely a benefit that anybody who was there got to be supported by everybody else. Um, so we, we went at it with a, a bit of a goal to, to essentially come out of the Vegas test kitchen with our own space. Um, very early on, we were like trying to figure out how to do the next step. We've always been forward planning by a few years as much as possible because just things take so long. Monumentally slow stuff takes big time. So, you know, we were looking at like, all right, do we do a food truck? Do we try to find a space that we build out ourselves? There's, there are a lot of options and a lot of ways to get into your own restaurant. We were young. We were dumb. We didn't know really the best way because we were not restaurateurs. We had just brought on chef justin who i'd known for about four or five years and, and i actually want yeah. to talk about that so because you were 
an amateur operation or a, a semi-pro operation at this point, and then you hook up with um, Chef Justin, and I'm, I'm singeing Justin Ford, right? <laughs> yeah, I apologize, Justin. Um, I've been I've been out of commission for a little while, man. Um, so you bring in Chef Justin Ford, who's got a great pedigree, um, you know, and he's worked with everyone from like Nancy Silverton, um, you know, one of the great purveyors of bread and yeast and, and pizza dough and crusts in America. Uh, how'd you hook up with him and, you know, how, how'd that partnership come about? I'm going to lay all the blame on Vincent Rotolo from Good Pie. Um, Vincent's actually the guy who found me on the side of the road about five or six years ago making pizzas just out in the middle of the desert. He had heard about me from somewhere, from some person, and he showed up and he's like, hey, what are you doing out here? Um, and at that time, Vincent said, he told me pretty much, don't wait to work on your dream. Do it now. Don't wait 15 years to, to do your thing. So I started working with Vincent doing his pop-ups. And in that, I met Justin Ford because Justin was helping Vincent Ford with a lot of things. And that's when our friendship started. And we both kind of clicked on, like, someday it would be really fun to have our own restaurant together. How do we do that? You know, five years ago, we didn't know. We were still working for other people. I had my other job. You know, it's hard to be really serious about a restaurant unless you're all in. you got to be 100% skin in the game and be ready to go for it but at that time we were just more like dreaming in the sky kind of potential ideas um so Justin and i would you know meet up a couple times a year work together on some pizza projects and just kind of like circle around what, what would be fun to do in the future he has a constantly evolving and cycling brain of ideas it's every day he's texting me like what if we try this what if we try this and i have to tell him to slow down you know he's got a decade's worth of ideas and notebooks that we can work through because he just is constantly trying to think of something new think that's really good and inventive and creative um and that's what we love about him like you said he's a pedigree that's a mile long from working in fine dining into the lowest boy pizza restaurants in la and vegas he's been there and done that and so what he brings with him is a lot of uh skill leadership and wisdom but also knowing what we want to leave behind in the old restaurant industry path there's a lot of the the old ways that people ran restaurants doesn't really fly anymore. We were working in a new environment, working with new people who who have different backgrounds and they're diverse and we're inclusive. We want to be a place that is welcoming and awesome to work at. So we've always been working really hard to make it a place that is safe, you know, easy to be at, and it shouldn't be a place you're afraid to go to work, you know. And and Jeff Justin really helps bring that energy with him because he's been on the other side of that line where you're having chef yell at you all day and people are being abusive so when he's at the line he's you know he's the leader of our, our our little pack he makes sure that that's that's the way we hold ourselves we hold ourselves accountable for for being the best we can be um so having him on our team not only means we have a great chef who has all the the best abilities to make food in the back he tried the meatballs and the pasta like he's He's a wizard. He has wisdom that we, we could never have hoped to try to glean on our own in 20 years. So it was a no-brainer to be like, he's a partner, he's an owner in the company, um, and he's a brother in arms. Okay, so you're in Vegas Test Kitchen. You, as far as I remember, an immediate hit with everybody there. You got your pizza oven down in the alley because most people are working out of the shared kitchen. Um, so you're sort of in exile in the back in the alley, the coolest place to be during the nice weather. I'm sure it was a little bit of a lonely spot to be during the cold weather. Um, but it, it catches on and um, it seems to be working. 
And then somehow you get hooked up with Jay Dapper. Now, Jay Dapper, for those who don't know, is a real estate developer here in Las Vegas. I don't usually spend a lot of time talking about real estate developers, but his name comes up a lot on my podcast, a lot of my reporting, because he is very... As, as far as I know, I'm sure there's complaints about everybody out there, but as far as I know, very well loved by his restaurant tenants. People speak very highly of him. He puts a lot of energy into developing quality restaurants all throughout town in Las Vegas. Um, and he's the guy who's been most recently charged with renovating the Hunt Ridge Theater. But he's as projects all over Las Vegas and great restaurants all over Las Vegas that, that are his tenants that he's helped develop. So how did you get involved with him and how did you decide on the Hunridge Theater, which is again a, a sort of a risky neighborhood. It's one of the few downtown neighborhoods that are cool as fuck to live in, but businesses haven't quite discovered them yet. So tell me about how that partnership came to be. Um, that was all Jolene Menina again. You know, the test kitchen was a spot that allowed chefs to be discovered and have people come in and try their food. So Jolene knew that we had a goal to try to find a space. Um, we'd been pretty vocal about, like, we're going to try to move on. We want to try to grow the business. We want to have our own pizzeria. That, that's the whole reason for Vegas Test Kitchen is to be an incubator and a stepping stone. So at some point, she is friends with Jay Dapper and, and has worked with him before on certain projects. And so she recommended that he come by and talk to us and see what we're all about um so much like jolene he came by and talked to me and cameron and danny my wife and we sat there for about a half hour and chatted and then he said great i got a couple spots i want to show you guys we're like well do you want to try the pizza first he's like i'll try the pizza but the story and what you guys are talking about he's like i 100 percent already on board i think you'd be great and so it was he had he had confidence in us before we had confidence in ourselves essentially to do what we're doing so we walked some spaces here in this, the Hunter Shopping Center, as well as across the street north of Charleston. Um, and we looked at some different sizes and some different ideas and settled on the space we're here now. This is actually the old High Rollers barber shop that used to be here. Um, so kind of leaning into our, our downtown vibes. We live downtown in the neighborhood ourselves. We, you know, some of us have actually seen shows at Hunter Theater before it shut down. Uh, being part of this historic neighborhood is really important to us because not only do we live here we want to work here i love being able to walk you know 10 minutes to my job and not anybody can say that so jay dapper was a huge um huge ally and huge help because he's essentially offered us a custom build out of the restaurant it wasn't going to be a turnkey operation he just plugged everything in he actually had to set down with an architect we designed the space around what we wanted to do we chose all the things he really he, he enabled us to to, to build out a space to our exact specs and, and, and enable our dream on the very first go. You know, a lot of people have to, to go in a space that's just not quite what they want, but it's enough because that's how you start a restaurant. Sometimes you got to go into a turnkey spot and just go. With Jay, he believes in starting fresh and starting new with all his projects because that way you have longevity in the building and the tenants that are want to be there is that, you know, we have new HVAC, we have new flooring, we have new ceiling. All that stuff means that reduced costs and maintenance and things like that because jay wants to see his tenants succeed and build their business versus fighting for fighting for every dollar every month because they're trying to repair everything every month everyone it's all old so um we made a, a you know we had a lease deal negotiation that he's on he paid for the the renovation build out of the space and we were on the hook for the equipment and some other things and so that meant that allowed us to be a lot more nimble and flexible in, in our finances versus having to really outlay a lot for the building and the construction costs. Um, we were able to keep everything within our ownership group, which is my brother, my wife, and Justin and I. It's the four of us. There's no management group. There's no restaurant, you know, whatever. Like, there's, there's, no, 
there's nobody else except us. It's family-owned, family-operated. We wanted to keep it tight and keep it small because once you start spreading and growing and letting all these different people in, we, we were losing the vision of what Yukon Pizza was supposed to be. Um, and this is a relatively small space. Um, you know, you've got basically two counters, a counter where that you could sit at w- overlooking where people are making the pizza and then a counter against the other wall. Um, no table, seating. So I'm assuming you do a lot of takeout service and a lot of people just coming in for a quick lunch kind of deal. You know, it's not a date night, sit down for dinner kind of spot, or is it? It's actually kind of become both. What's great about this counter we're sitting on now is a solid chunk of marble that runs nearly 20 feet. Um, we built the whole restaurant around a wood-fired oven. So as soon as you walk in the door, you see the wood-fired oven. It becomes a main point of attraction. So we have the last two weeks noticed couples sitting at this countertop and sitting for an hour or two, um, taking up these two spots, buying a bottle of wine or two, having multiple pieces of pizza and trying different things. Um, the wood fire is a really big uh, mesmerizing object. People like to see here and just watch. They, we kind of built the restaurant about, around being able to see the process, you know. So from where we are right now, it's kind of sushi bar style. You see the pizza being made. You'll see it put on the peel. You see it put in the oven. You see it cooked and come out, cut right to your table or right to the counter. Um, it's a really kind of immersive and interactive experience. The chefs are talking with the customers, vice versa. We do have a lot of takeout and delivery stuff. That's or not delivery, but we have a lot of takeout and you know, online orders that come in and pick up to go. But once people come and see and feel the the environment that we've kind of created here, it's intimate. It's small-ish. You know, we have about 14, 15 seats, but it, it creates a really fun vibe when it kind of fills up and everyone wants to hang out. They, you know, we have great beer deals, so people come and sit down and drink beers and have slices. It's and it's the couple of weeks it's already created its own little community of people who want to come hang out at the counter. And let's talk about a few of the specialty pies, just so people have an idea. Because your pizzas, I mean, you do a good traditional pizza, and I love the way you've got like just the right amount of char on the crust every time I have your pizza. Um, you know, it's a beautiful styled pizza, but I think you get really creative with your toppings as well, with your combinations. So just tell me a bit about maybe two or three of your specialties. Yeah, so we've got a few on the menu that we always have had on there because of our favorites. Our, my personal favorite is our last action hero, which is our Mediterranean-style pizza. So it's got feta, red onions, tzatziki sauce, hero meat, uh, dill and parsley. It's a weird but awesome pizza because it's like folding a, a hero kebab into a, a big pita wrap. You know, our, our dough is really soft but got a little crunch on the outside, something that everyone really likes that you're saying. Um, one of our other ones, a more popular one, is our Wise Guy pizza, which is kind of the fully loaded. It's got uh, pepperoni or sausage, so peppers, uh, wood-fired peppers, onions, mozzarella, provolone. Um, it's a it's a really nice heavy pie for the cold days, especially. Um, and then we kind of have a lot of rotating specials as the years and you know the, the seasons go on. So during the summer, we'll have like an elote street corn style pizza. During the winter, we'll run like you know squash and like. Uh, burrata style pizza there's a there's a few things that chef has in the in the back of his mind that we're trying to spin up as we get through the holidays and stuff like that um what's really fun is that we're going to try to be pretty seasonal and pretty nimble on the menu we'll have the the basic pieces always available but there'll be one or two seasonal specials that are always rotating around cool and what hours are you open man so right now we're wednesday through sunday 12 to 10 p.m um come the new year we'll be slowly adding on late night hours friday and saturday um we have the wonderful Hunter's Tavern around the corner from us, and that is a 24-hour bar with a lot of wonderful patrons all during the week. So on Fridays and Saturdays, we'll be start doing late night till about 2 or 3 a.m. at the Slice Window. Um, and then eventually, probably sometime later next year, we'll do a Monday and Tuesday open as well. Cool. Well, congratulations, man. Thanks for um, recapping the whole story for my listeners. I really appreciate it. And congrats. I look forward to seeing where you guys go next from here. Thank you so much, Al. We appreciate your support over the years. It's been awesome to 
show you the journey as you've kind of come along on it and see how we grow and uh, from the backyard to the, the pizza shop. We really appreciate it. The news is next. This is Food and Loathing. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. Want the strip? Off strip? Downtown? Great views? Great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. It's time for the news. Yeah, let's kick things off with a discussion of holiday cheer. Those festive, boozy concoctions that allow you to celebrate the holidays and perhaps interact with distant family members with a wee (laughs) bit of buzz. Yeah, a wee bit. A wee bit of buzz. Uh, To kick it off, Ellis Island is continuing a 20-year tradition of selling its holiday nog based on an Ellis family recipe that actually dates back to 1953. This is like the family recipe. Just like me. Yeah. (laughs) So it's apparently Mr. Ellis, who's, you know, the, the Yep. Mr. Ellis, was, I think his grandfather was on a ship going from Italy to the U.S., and this guy shared his nog recipe, and he'd written it down. And about 30 years later, uh, Mr. Ellis discovered it, started making it for the family. 20 years later, it became a Las Vegas tradition. They started selling it to the public. Actually made in St. George, Utah. Oh, but, look at um, that. Yeah. It, is, it is a Vegas institution for a lot of locals. You can um, buy a glass or a bottle to Ooh. take home mm. at the Ellis Island Casino and Brewery or at all Village Pub locations while supplies last. The Ellis Elves gifted me a bottle. I am gifting it to you, my friends. <laughs> Tell me what you think. Oh, it's delicious. 13% uh, ABV. Yeah. It is um, a little reminder of uh, Bailey's Irish cream. Yeah. Got a lot of cream yeah, going on there. Smooth. A little chocolatey thing, and but a little, <clears throat> little bite, a little yeah, more bite. Yeah, I love that the spices that um, they use, it's not, you know, some like, and I hate to compare this to grocery store nog because it is not anywhere near that, but they're overly spiced. And, mm. and so oh, feel yeah. like it just really takes away from something. This is super smooth, really light. Um, 13% will come back and kick you in the butt. Yeah. If you're not Rum, careful. bourbon, whiskey, and brandy. <laughs> yeah. All in That's there. why. That's good because it, it avoids. And a shitload of eggs. And yes. <laughs> it, it avoids the, the, my most hated word during the holidays and the whole winter. Mold. <laughs> I don't want mold anything. Nothing mold ever. Here. No molding in this. It's a mold-free zone. So yeah, it's a limited, a limited time uh, offering. So get your ass over yeah. to the Ellis Island yeah. Casino or one of the village pubs. And do I have to put in five dollars in the slot machine to get the thing back to go to get the bargain price? <laughs> Run five dollars through yeah, and you get exactly. a discount. I don't That's believe right. so. That's just I think the it's steak. Standard pricing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, if you do want to go have it with one of those baseball cut steaks, there I'm you go. Sure I do. I, I, I sure love going over down. for that. Yeah. Uh, also, keeping up with the booze, the Golden Tiki has rolled out more than a dozen holiday cocktails and shots in time for its five days of Christmas celebration. Those run December twentieth through the twenty fourth. They are closed on Christmas Day, I believe, to let their staff have off. But um, out of this list of booze, you know, I just pulled some some things that. Got me interested. Um, the goat of all eggnog, um, <laughs> some Tom and Jerry's, which is of course a classic hot cocktail, hibiscus coconut tai chi, a pumpkin batita, hot gin punch, tr- something called Trinity Squared, and the Christmas bird Negroni. Those are just a few of them. Head over to the the Tiki. Adam Rains kicks oh, ass. Yeah, and I was gonna say, I mean, I went over there for Thanksgiving, and literally on Thanksgiving Day, I spent some time there and had some drinks. And they just do such fun things for holiday stuff. They really pick out like seasonal flavors. So I love what he does. Yeah. And 
and check their calendar for what's going on on each of those five days from the 20th through the 24th. There's a lot of cool shit happening. Um, finally, in the booze category, at least for now, when Las Vegas's Marina Mercer Borini has designed a trio of hot cocoa bombs. They're going to be available through early January at Bar Parasol in Wynn and in Encore's Lobby Bar. Um, two with booze, one without them. I got the chance to check them out and speak to Marina. We start with a hot cocktail that we pour over these beautiful ornaments, um, hot cocoa bombs that are made by our in-house chocolate team to reveal a surprise of hot cocoa powder and marshmallows inside. What's the overall vibe you're trying to create with all of this? Uh, So I love nostalgia, especially at the holidays. I feel like your head and your heart are kind of connected by marshmallows and candy canes. Um, And if you can access that happy place, it's like a big warm hug. And especially these cocktails are like a big warm hug that bring you to the best holiday memories. And Marina's also got some other cocktails on the menu, something called Slay All Day, which you can find throughout the resort. Sort of a spin on a poinsettia. But she's a fantastic mixologist as well. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not just throwing out like what the TGI Friday is doing for the fucking holidays. These are serious mixologists that I'm name checking here. So you're going to want to drink this stuff. Yes. And as I teased earlier, Chef Justin Kingsley Hall, uh, who has officially moved back to California, is coming back. <laughs> he is joining chefs at Peyote, uh, Daniel Arias and Isidro Marquez. They're doing a Feast of the Seven Fishes, uh, two seatings on New Year's Eve. Tickets are $135 a person. There's a bubble package available, and you can make your reservations directly with Peyote, DTLV.com. That's P E Y O T E D. TLV.com. M O U S. So that, that's a little odd. It's not normally, Seven Fish is not normally a New Year's. No, it's usually it's Christmas, Christmas Eve, Eve, at least yeah. in my family, but yes. Yeah, but fuck it. And yeah. <coughs> orthodox. Fishes. Our Orthodox. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I yeah. think that's about it for this week. Big thanks to Alex White and Marina Mercer Borini as I lose my voice. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, just in time. So tell a friend about Food and Loathing, available at the usual podcast places. Check Al's musings and postings at the major social media sites. we got to get on, like, a Mastodon or one of those things as well, too, mm-hmm. the, the alternatives. Search Food and Loathing. And you can reach us direct by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, and why not, this is your weekly reminder to download the Neon Feast app and use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whatever you want, you'll find it on the Neon Feast app. And if you're so inclined, you can open up the laptop and go to neonfeast.com. I'm losing my voice now. We don't care how you get there. Just <laughs> yeah. get just there. Just get there. Uh, and you want to know what I'm up to? You can find me on the socials at Wishbone and Vine. And please, if you're listening, send me your New York City recommendations. Well, I told you about my entrecot steak yes, for its place. Exactly. Fiftieth and Lex. <laughs> I'm going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll be in. I'll be in uh, New York City for the holidays. So uh, cool. yeah, send me everything you got. Happy holidays. And if you want to see me on TV, you can catch me on Wake Up With The CW every other Wednesday around 8, 10 a.m. Catch Al all week long on the Neon Feast Update on The Vibe, 99.7 in Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, 98.9 at the river, and of course every Thursday morning around 8, 10 on The Club, AM 670, KMZQ. With Samantha Gemini Stevens and Rich Johnson, I am Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.